You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today we have Rachel Pritz. She is a life coach, business consultant, mom, wife, and leader, and she's here today to talk to us uh, about her coaching program, how she got involved in it, and I'm really excited to, to speak with you, Rachel. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Katie. It's a pleasure. Uh, so give us a little background about you as a nurse. Um, what did you do as a nurse and how did you get to your coaching business? Sure. Well, I keep saying I'm going to write a book that says didn't see that coming. That's, that's going to be the title is didn't see that coming. So my journey as a nurse has been uh, somewhat unexpected. So when I first started in nursing school, first of all, I didn't know any nurses. I didn't have that passion of I knew I was going to be a nurse when I was in kindergarten. It was actually just a uh, advisor that said, hey, I think you'd be good at being a nurse my freshman year in college. And I said, okay. And we uh, changed majors and the rest was history. So I practiced at the bedside for about 10 years of my career and really honed that craft, loved working with patients at the bedside mostly in ICU and then a PACU setting, so post-anesthesia setting, and you know, really got to a place where I felt like I was a really effective, strong bedside nurse. And then I got a little bit bored because I wasn't really growing and developing and learning anything new. So I felt like, okay, I can kind of do this job with my eyes closed, what's next for me? So I'd always had a passion for leadership, was a natural born leader. I played a lot of sports growing up and people just sort of followed me while playing those sports. So knew that was something that I had a natural gift and talent in and uh, decided to go back to school to get my master's degree. So I ultimately went back and got my master's degree in nursing leadership and also in nursing informatics. And during that time transitioned into a clinical leadership role in surgery. And so I was uh, working in that leadership role for a few years, gaining some experience there. And then my dream job came up uh, leading the nursing informatics team and I went for it. So I took a more network role in the organization that I was in and I loved everything about it. It was tons of learning, totally different world in the IT world. That's one of the things I did not see coming that I would ever transition into IT. But I was really passionate about the model that we had set up. So we set up this model where practicing bedside nurses were giving their input on the EMR and the other softwares that we were using. So we would come up with something in IT, we would let the bedside nurses uh, use it and give us feedback or sometimes advise us during that process. And so I love that we were really taking the input of the bedside nurse to make what we were using from an IT standpoint the best for the bedside nurse because we know there's a lot of burnout around that and we were also doing the same thing with physicians so I just loved loved the model and and loved that work and I became really passionate about the data that we were taking in so I really wanted to figure out how we can use all this data to better serve our patients and to make better decisions with the patients so I loved that work during that time as I was growing this program in uh, this network that I was working for 
I experienced my own burnout. So, and it wasn't, wasn't from a professional standpoint, I would call it just life burnout. I had two small kids at home and trying to grow this, you know, professional career that I really loved, but just felt like I was burning the candle at both ends. So, you know, I, I got home one day and I just said, gosh, there's got to be more to life than this. This can't be going through the motions. This can't be why I was put here. I know there's more there, but I don't know how to tap into it. So I confided in a mentor that I had in the organization that I was working for. And she suggested that I reach, reach out to a life coach. So she gave me the name of someone and I said, life coach, what is that? I mean, I've never even heard of that as a career path. And so I started doing a little research and reached out to a certified life coach and the rest is history. We are actually, she's still my coach. That was four years ago. Uh, we actually had a call earlier today. Um, so, so she really started me on that path of getting out of that life burnout. And then I took off from there. I just, I was obsessed with everything from a personal professional development standpoint. I wanted to learn the most about myself I became uh, really engrossed in the Enneagram personality assessment. It's something that I use with a lot of corporate clients and coach a lot of people through as well. And so that was a transformative tool for me. And I'd really tapped into a passion that I didn't know existed. So I decided that I was going to get uh, certified as a coach. So that was important to me to be trained in coaching to be able to give the best to my clients. And it was a side hustle for a while. So I did it for about a year and a half as a side hustle while still in my job in nursing informatics. Uh, during that time, just based on the coaching that I received, I got promoted into the chief nursing informatics officer role. So people were seeing me very differently because I was growing and developing so much and showing up as a very emotionally intelligent uh, person in the organization. So was flying high, I was really thriving in my professional career and it wasn't enough. So I felt like I'd outgrown that position and even the organization in some ways. And so I decided to take the leap. Actually, March 1st has been one full year uh, into my own coaching and consulting practice. So I really felt strongly that we need to, to, uh, to increase the emotional intelligence in our organizations in order to meet our, our goals and objectives. So I'm doing that one person, one team at a time. Some in healthcare, but some in other uh, sectors as well. So I do some some work in IT. Uh, it's really, you know, leadership development. So I, I love what I do. It's been a great transition. Um, I have a personal mission statement of help helping people grow into their full potential, starting with myself. So that is at the core of what I do as a life coach, a certified Enneagram teacher, uh, and then also just a nurse. Okay. <laughs> well, so, you know, I, I find it interesting, especially that when you say that you were happy and you were fulfilled in, in what you were doing, and yet you were still um, still burnt out in a way or feeling like you're, you're burning the, the candle at both ends. Um, so how were you able to do that job plus kind of the side hustle, plus you still have two kids and not feel burnt out? Yeah, well, it's interesting when you find your passion, you have a lot of extra energy. So when I found this passion and sort of became almost obsessed with it, I had, it suddenly made the day job better, right? So I had more energy in the day job, but then I was coming home with more energy too, because I was 
more fulfilled. So when you look at, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I always describe this as, you know, and I was at self-actualization at that point. So I had tons of energy. So it wasn't as challenging. I think my energy level was low and I felt burnout because I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't living as my best self. And when I transitioned into that and grew into that, I had all the energy in the world uh, and the burnout just went away. And took when time. You first, took, this yeah. is over a couple of years, so it's not something you can flip a switch on. It takes a lot of uh, work on the individual's part to get out of that, uh, but it's a beautiful place when you can get on the other side of it. Right. And is that what your life coach helped you to do? She helped me to do it. I did put a lot of, of energy into it as well. And so that was, you know, you know, the life coach can, life coaches can help you uh, get clear on that, but you have to put in the work. So that's something that I think sometimes is a misconception. Life coaches don't tell you what to do. They just ask you powerful questions because you actually know what to do. We just need to quiet the noise around you. Nobody knows best what you should do than you. So, okay. so I think that's a, a little bit of a misconception. We really don't uh, tell people what to do. <laughs> yeah, no, so that, that's what I was going to ask, just to, you know, kind of that world of, of life coaching, because it, it's a little bit nebulous in a way, like, you know, why would I need a life coach? Um, but, you know, could you just kind of break down what it is that the, that what you do as a life coach uh, a little bit more? Sure. Yeah, so there's some blurred lines between therapy and life coaching and sometimes people get up in arms in this I personally believe that you know as long as you're not you know creating any harm towards people I think that um, both are valuable both have a place I do not work with clients that have major traumas to overcome that are severely depressed have severe anxiety those people get referred on to a licensed therapist that is absolutely not my lane um, and I think as, you know, with my nursing background, I think that's helpful for me to understand that, you know, where, where I'm fitting in to help people, where I fit in and where I coach most of my clients is people that are just feeling stuck in life. So similar to what I described as my own burnout, just feeling like there's gotta be more to life. I don't know what's wrong. I need help articulating that. And I need somebody to ask me some questions and I need a safe space to just talk. We don't always have those human connections that we crave and absolutely need um, in our personal lives. And it's helpful to have a you know, non-biased person that I can sit and just you know, have a sounding board to talk through some things. And then for that person to also call me on my crap. So, so that's something that life coaches, I think, do a really good job of is dismantling the stories that we've been telling ourselves that aren't actually factual. So there may be some facts in there, but there's a heck of a lot of fiction that we fill in the gaps with. And that creates pain and suffering, not in a necessarily physical way, but in an emotional way when we create stories that aren't true. And then we tell ourselves that they are true. Yeah, <laughs> that's something yeah, that I've, yeah. I've realized over the years as well, is that, you know, what was true for me maybe when I was nine years old and what worked then, you know, was fine, but it doesn't need to carry over into my adult life, you know, <laughs> like yes, we can let it go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I always tell people, you know, I consider that just like your own personal life strategy, and when a strategy is not working anymore, you change it, you know, so it's like you make changes and you shift because that strategy no longer serves you. And I think it's really cool with all of the growth mindset work out there and all the, you know, new neuroscience that we know around neural pathways and neuroplasticity. We can change those pathways. We can change habits. We can change behavior. 
years with some effort. We have to put in the effort. We have to, to change those things, but we can. And I think that's incredibly hopeful. And that's part of what we do as coaches is helping people see that growth mindset and how they truly aren't stuck. It's just this season of life that they're in that we need to help shift them into some different thinking and different ways of doing things. So, you know, if you took a patient or not a patient, I'm sorry, a client um, that comes to you, what kind of expectations would somebody have coming to you and how could you get them to the next or what would the next level be and how long would that take to get somebody there? Yeah. So, well, this is not something that there's a prescriptive, Hey, in six sessions, you will be here. Uh, so <laughs> it's you know, each individual. It takes, you know, some, you know, their, their own amount of time and that's absolutely okay. So we can't really rush that kind of growth mindset shift and, and that process. Uh, for the most part, people start to feel better even after just a few sessions. They feel like they have a plan. They're taking what I call turtle steps towards some of their goals. So when we feel upside down and we feel stuck, we think we got to blow the whole thing up, right? So we, we tend to think we got to do something big. We have to quit our job. We have to leave our spouse. We have to, you know, do, do these big things to change our lives. And in reality, we really just take, need to take the next right step. So think of one small turtle step that you can take and start moving in that direction. And when people can break it down that way, it's so much more, um, it, it seems so much more possible for them, you know, to be able to say, okay, well, I can do, well, I can do that. You know, I, I don't need to quit my job tomorrow. I, I can do this one thing and block my calendar until 9 a.m. to be able to go to the gym. Like that's something they could do. So, so I think it's really just breaking it down there. There is a whole change cycle through the life coaching methodology. Um, and you know, when people are feeling like they're this little pile of goo in the corner, it takes some time for them to start to feel like themselves again. And then they get into the next phase where they're starting to feel a little more like themselves, they're dreaming and scheming. And then the next phase is putting that dreaming and scheming into action and that can feel uncomfortable again. So I think that's the, the key is we just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. This is not going to happen in a short amount of time. If people rush through it, it's sort of like grief. If you rush through your grief, it doesn't work very well. So you really just have to take it one, one day at a time and recognize that you're going to have some very uncomfortable moments. That's how we grow. Uh, and do you um, work with a specific clientele at this point? Have you, there's certain groups of people gravitate towards you? Yeah, so it's really interesting. This is also in my book, Didn't See It Coming. I thought I was going to coach mostly women, especially high achieving women that were trying to, you know, do it all, as we say. And I have more male clients than I have female clients right now. So that's been an interesting shift and I really enjoy it. So I'm really enjoying the male clients. Uh, I think that we've created a culture, especially in the United States, that doesn't allow men the space to share emotions or to be emotional or to be vulnerable. And so I love being able to be that person for them. And sometimes, you know, for them, a therapist sounds like, I don't want to go to therapy, but a coach sounds a little different to them. They're, they're more open to that. And so I've enjoyed working with all sorts of clients and I work with people. I have a client that's in her early twenties and I have a client that is in his early sixties. So kind of a big span of people. I am now coaching some nurse executives, which I really enjoyed getting back into nursing and healthcare specifically 
and coaching them through some of the challenges in those roles, which has been a nice shift too. But really, really, you know, with my personal mission of growing and developing people to their full potential, that can be anybody. And some people reach it faster, you know, so I, I have some 20 year olds that are ahead of 60 year olds in uh, emotional intelligence uh, growth standpoint. Yeah, and I can see, um, like you said, with therapy, um, when you say that you're going to therapy, it feels like there's something wrong. Whereas if you say you're going to coaching, it sounds like you're doing something right and you're just trying to get to the next level. So there's... <laughs> um, right, right. Yes. Yeah. And I do. And there's, there's no regulation around life coaching. You don't have to be a certified life coach. Uh, you can just say you're a life coach today if you really want to. Um, but I like to call that out for people if they're searching for a coach to look for a certified coach. There is an art to this. And I think that they need to be aware of some of those lines of when therapy is appropriate and when coaching is appropriate. So if you are searching for a coach, I would highly recommend that you look for somebody that is certified and trained in coaching. Uh, because I do, I do think that there's some of that, uh, especially in sort of more of the life coaching realm of people saying they're a life coach, but they really don't, don't really know how to coach people. Um, and and I, I am, as a nurse, uh, somewhat fearful that they're going to miss um, cries for help, uh, people that are severely depressed or potentially suicidal, and they're not getting the help that they need. So that, that is something that I, is very important to me, um, not only as a nurse, but just as a professional. And is there any other way to find, um, aside from being a certified, how do you determine who's going to work well with you? Like, would there be any indications or? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I offer all of my clients a initial 20 minute, just free discovery call. So they can ask me questions. I can describe my methodology and and how I coach and what that looks like. And I get a pretty good sense if those people are the right fit for me on that 20 to 30-ish minute call. Um, and typically they can get that sense too. So when I even reached out to my coach, I, I talked to two people and uh, she, was, she was it for me. So she was the one that resonated most, most with me. So I also recommend that. So you know, I'm not a fit for every single client that I uh, jump on the phone with. And so sometimes that's me saying, I don't think I'm the right fit. Sometimes that's you know, them feeling that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would recommend that people reach out to a couple different coaches, make sure you get a right fit. We're not all created equal and we're not all going to be for you. So, so do, do some research and do some homework there. Is there like some kind of directory for life coaches or how do people find you? Yeah, so there's a couple of different places. So I'm a certified Martha Beck coach. And so she, her claim to fame is that she uh, writes for Oprah Magazine and has coached Oprah. So that's her, her thing. But she was one of the pioneers around life coaching. And she was actually a Harvard professor who started life coaching, not knowing what it was, started life coaching students because they were coming to her office and just saying, you know, I, like, I, don't, I don't have any joy in my life. How do I get more of that? So she kind of started that in the 1970s, and now she has her own certification program. So her website, uh, MarthaBeck.com, is a place to find a lot of certified life coaches. Uh, she has a place that you can search for, for those people and then also search uh, based on your needs to get a better fit. And then um, IPAC, if you're looking more for a professional uh, coach, and, and Martha Beck coaches can, can coach professionally too. I do mostly professional coaching. 
Um, but IPEC, so it's a small I, capital P, E, C, uh, is a really well-known program. Um, it's really solid. Uh, takes a lot of, of effort and energy to get through that program and a lot of coaching hours to get certified. So uh, that's another great place to find certified uh, life coaches. Okay. And you said that you left your full-time uh, position to do your coaching full-time. What was kind of the leap or when did you decide that it was time to focus on coaching? Yeah, it was a, it was a tough call. So I, I left March 1st of last year. So it's been almost exactly a year in my own business, but it was something that I was really conflicted on for about a solid year. I kept saying, okay, I'm, I'm maybe going to do this thing. Gosh, I, I, I don't hate what I do here either, you know? So it was like, I wasn't, I didn't have that story of, I was barely hanging on and that's why I left. I, I was really thriving in the job at that time when I left. So I shocked the heck out of people. I mean, they were shocked that I left and made that decision. And I remember my boss at the time, who was the CNO, um, said to me, and she was super supportive. So it was so wonderful to have so many people supporting me um, through, through this journey of starting my own business. But she said, oh my gosh, do you realize you're leaving nursing? And I looked at her and said, no, I'm not. I got into nursing because I wanted to help people. And now I'm helping them in a very different way. And in some ways, I think a more impactful way because I coach a lot of leaders. And so that trickle down of me coaching those leaders and having them be emotionally intelligent and they're leading from a human-centered perspective uh, that trickle down to their people and then on down to their people and what it does in their personal lives. It, I feel like that has such a, a huge impact one person at a time. And so I really, I really don't, don't feel like I've ever left nursing. I think everything I did in nursing set me up exactly for what I'm doing today. Yeah. I kind of hate it when people throw that around because it's like, if you leave the bedside, you've left nursing or something. So they could have said you left nursing right. 10 years ago. Right. And I still, you know, at the beginning I, I would say like, Oh, you know, well, I used to be a nurse. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm God. still a nurse. I will always be a nurse. That's not, yeah, that doesn't go away. And yeah. so, and I also think, you know, that background gives me some street cred, you know, I've worked, I've worked with people. I do have some training in, human psychology <laughs> and, you know, some of these things that um, I don't think a lot of life coaches bring to the table. So I think, I think it was crucial that I did exactly what I did set and set me up for what I do today. And so did you put a whole bunch of money aside in pre preparation for this or did you just kind of like, I'm going to see what happens or? <laughs> yeah, well, I was dreaming and scheming. So there was a, a few years of, okay, let's, let's put some additional money aside because I don't know when this is going to happen. Uh, but, you know, I, I was in this conflict for a while. It was back and forth. What am I going to do? And it was October of, I guess it would be 27, no, 2018 that I made the decision. And I told my boss uh, January 2nd of 2019 that I was gonna be leaving and gave, gave eight weeks notice and walked, walked out. So it really, when I made that decision, I never looked back once I finally just said, this is it. And I think the breaking point was really me watching our organization spin its wheels because we had some unhealthy people making some of the decisions and leading the organization. And so I sat back and just said, oh my gosh, if we can't have emotionally intelligent people leading our organizations, we're never going to be successful. And so 
I think that was the real aha. And I wanted my work and all of my hours that I put in and all the effort, I wanted it to show something. And I felt like it wasn't at that point. So, and there were, and not to say there were lots of emotionally intelligent leaders there, um, but there were also quite a few that weren't. And so that was sort of my, my marching orders, you know, okay, it's time to go out and, and show these people a different way of leading. So how do I show, train and teach them how to lead from an emotionally intelligent standpoint? And at this point, um, how are you bringing in consistent clients uh, to support yourself? Yeah. So I do a lot of marketing on LinkedIn. And so lots of just, Hey, here's what I'm about. And so just lots of, lots of consistent posts. I get a lot of just organic reach outs from there for individuals. It's interesting because I work with some HR teams, but I get a lot of clients that are in career transitions. So they're either in that space of, I hate my job and I don't know what's next. And they're likely not going to go to HR for that. Right. So, and they're not going to go to their boss. So they will typically reach out to somebody like me to help them get some clarity on what the next step is. And most of them are in a leadership role or they've, they've gotten far enough up the ladder that they can't just jump out without a plan in place. So I help them put that plan in place and figure what that next step is. Um, so that's one work stream. I do some sub contracting with some, some other consulting agencies here. So uh, I do some of that when they have larger corporate clients and they see a good fit for me and they'll pull me in and I'll coach some of those clients. So that will typically look like a six to 12 month engagement, which has been a nice work stream. And then I've done a ton of, of networking, like true networking. So really connecting with people that uh, will share what I do with other people. Um, but I also share what they do. And I love having those people in my back pocket. They don't do what I do. I don't do what they do. So when I see a problem that people are trying to solve and I know they can solve it, I love being that referral point of, I've got a person for you that can help you do that. And they do the same for me. And that was never, that's never really talked about. We don't actually talk about, Hey, we're going to do this for each other. It's just something we do because we want to see all of us win and, and be able to grow our own businesses and help people solve problems. I think that's the biggest thing with entrepreneurship is that's why we do this. We see a problem and we, we have a solution. And so we want to share that with people. Yeah, I know I love that too, because I get that question a lot um, from nurses that are starting their businesses. How do I get clients in? And my answer always is, you know, just start go talking to people, <laughs> make some relationships yeah. with people, partner with other people. It's just, uh, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, a, a Facebook ad, you know, it's connecting with right. people and it's, it's work. It's fun work. I, I love doing it. So but um, all right, so why don't you tell us about some of your, the programs that you do have? Yeah, so my typical program, first of all, I mentioned the Enneagram, so that's a big piece of what I do. And so that's a, a great tool to, you know, boost your EQ and to help you grow your own, not only self-awareness, but your self-wisdom. So I love that tool. If you don't know anything about the Enneagram, uh, it's actually spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Uh, when I first heard it on a podcast, I spelled it wrong. So, so that is how it's spelled. Uh, there's a lot out there. It's a really in-depth tool. Um, I did, have done all the other personality assessments out there, you know, DISC, Finder, Myers-Briggs. All of them taught me about some behaviors that I had, which most of them I was aware of. 
what the Enneagram does that digs a little deeper and it explains why you're behaving that way. So it explains your motivators behind those behaviors. So then you can make some real lasting change and self-discovery based on that. And the other piece is that it isn't just putting you in a box and saying, here's your type. It says, here's your defaults. Here's where you're going to go. Here is your type. But now we're going to give you a clear growth path on how to get out of that. So when those things are no longer serving you, here's how you get out of that box that you've been put in. So I think that's a really uh, valuable tool. It's gotten tons of traction in the business world now. It used to be sort of reserved for spiritual direction and more in faith-based areas. Uh, but there's absolute application to leadership and just to personal development. So I start clients with that. That usually is one to two sessions. And then um, the full sessions or the full package is six sessions. And so they'll work with me um, through the Enneagram and then we transition into more of the life coaching and getting them to where they want to be um, and kind of putting together their own life strategy that's different than what we started with. So uh, each session looks a little different. So it just depends on the client. Sometimes we're talking solely about work issues. Sometimes we're talking about uh, issues in a marriage. Um, and so that's helpful to help them own their part of that. And so I think I do a lot of, you know, you hear accountability coaching, but I do a lot of, okay, so where, where are you accountable in this situation and what do you have control over? How can we give you back some of the power in this situation and what can you change? Because we can't change other people. We know this to be true. We've all tried it and it just doesn't work. Grownups really don't like to be told what to do and how to act. So when I can help them own their part in the problems that they have and help them get clear on where they've given away their power and how they can take it back, that's when people start to feel uh, unstuck or feel better or kind of like they're getting out of that burnout phase. Well, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really fascinating. Um, all right. Well, let, can you tell people where they can find you if they're interested in working with you um, and, and just getting in touch with you in general? Sure. So I do a lot of work on LinkedIn. So that's a good place. A lot of people will follow me for a while um, and then they'll say, oh, okay, I see what she's about, which I think is really helpful because that helps you with that match, you know, to make sure you have the right fit. So LinkedIn's a great place. Uh, I'm there all the time. And so you can find me there. Uh, under Rachel Pritz, P-R-I-T-Z. And then I also have a website. It's rachelpritz.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-P-R-I-T-Z.com. And there's a space for you to set up a discovery call if you would like, uh, so we can have that 20-minute chat just to see if we would be a good fit. And um, there's also a way just to email me through, through the website if you prefer that. So lots of different ways to get a hold of me for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I love, I, I've lis listened to a few of these podcasts and I just love um, that we're highlighting nurse entrepreneurs. I remember saying when I was jumping out, you know, well, I'm an entrepreneur, but nobody goes to nursing school and then becomes an entrepreneur. And it turns out lots of people actually do. I just didn't know any of them. <laughs> so, so I loved being exposed to that world and the fact that nurses are problem solvers. We really are. So I, I love that, you know, when we get the passion behind something that we take it out into the world and give it to the world. So it's, it's great. Yeah, no, it's one of the reasons I started with the podcast, because I did the same thing. I'm like, there's no entrepreneurs, uh, nurse entrepreneurs. And I'm like, no, actually, there are. There's a lot of them out there. And, and now yes, there's, like, yes. a, you know, it, it's fun telling their yeah. stories. Um, and I, I can tell their stories all day. With, so 
So it's, it's been a great, um, a great resource for me, uh, having people like you on the show. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me.